You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Folks, it was a terrible time. But if you think about it, it was not essentially different from our own time in the days in which we live. I mean, think about it. It just breaks your heart, the evil that we perpetrate upon one another. You know, I don't think we could point a finger at them and say ungodly, that is the people during the days in which Enoch lived, and say ungodly, without including our own age in which we live. Today, Pastor Mike teaches about the story of Enoch, who the Bible says walked with God and did not die because he was taken up by God. Enoch lived in wicked times, and yet he pleased God. Likewise, we live in dark times, but the life of Enoch shows us that we don't have to succumb to the darkness around us. On the contrary, we can live a life that is pleasing to God. Pastor Mike encourages us to learn from Enoch's example by walking with God and as a result, abhorring sin. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 5 as he continues his message, The Man Who Walked With God. Enoch is not holding back. He's in their face, man. He's preaching it like it is. He's crying out against unrighteousness. You see that there? Crying out against sin. You know, and in contrast, I want you to think about this as it relates to today's preachers. And I'm not suggesting that all preachers. I mean, there's some great churches right here in our own city with some great teachers, with some great pastors, with some great preachers. But, you know, there's unfortunately also many preachers who mostly preach on the subjects of love, who mostly preach on the subject of prosperity, who mostly speak on the subject of, boy, this is one that has become real popular lately, tolerance. Oh, we need to tolerate everybody. Hey, listen, what was going on in Enoch's day? It parallels the very things that are going on in our day. So what should we be talking about? Should we be talking about prosperity? Should we be talking about tolerance? Should we be talking about love? Or should we be crying out against sin? What was going on in Enoch's day? Well, let's jump ahead to chapter 6 for a moment. In verse 5, it says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent, every intent, folks, not some, but every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Can we actually progress to that degree? 
where I mean we're we're constantly thinking of you know practicing evil and and bringing it to new heights. You know, I mean, think about that. Continually, that's all we're thinking about is evil, rather than things that are good, rather than the things of God. Listen, this was an age back then, during the time in which Enoch lived, that was marked by sexual promiscuity, materialism, demonism. Folks, it was a terrible time. But if you think about it, it was not essentially different from our own time in the days in which we live. I mean, think about it. It just breaks your heart, the evil that we perpetrate upon one another. You know, I don't think we could point a finger at them and say ungodly, that is the people during the days in which Enoch lived, and say ungodly without including our own age in which we live. The people in the culture in which we live as well. I mean, what would Enoch say if he was among us today? If he lived among us today, what what do you think Enoch would be thinking about? What do you think Enoch would say? So anyway, what was its outcome back then? A terrible judgment by flood. We know that, right? During the days of Noah. You know, I, I wonder, is a similar kind of a judgment not in store for our equally godless culture today, you know, in Matthew's gospel in chapter 24. But as the days of Noah were, same time in which Enoch lived, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Their hearts, their minds will continually be on evil, practicing evil. It's going to be the very same thing. If we, are, we may have already arrived at that day, folks. I hope not. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Right? And did not know until the flood came, the judgment, and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So, if these things are true, shouldn't our preaching... And witnessing be as filled with crying out against sin as was the preaching of Enoch, warning the people to flee from the wrath to come. Well, you say, well, Pastor Mike, you know, again, you know, going back to what has become very popular today, and I've heard this, you know, I'm not going to mention the name, but someone, when we were, we were getting into what we were all about, Harvest as a church, I was dealing with an unbeliever. Well, she wasn't an unbeliever. She belonged to a certain denomination, but the denomination that she belonged to was a lot different than what true Christianity is and what true Christianity stands for. And, you know, she was dealing with me on the subject of homosexuality. And listen, God loves the homosexual. I love the homosexuals, but he hates the sin of homosexuality. And I was trying to convey that in a loving kind of a way, but she couldn't wrap her head around the statements that I was making. And she says, you know, Pastor, you need to be a little bit more tolerant, you know, towards, you know, people who who have chosen an alternative lifestyle. Listen, we have the cure. We have the remedy for man's problems and sin. We shouldn't be shy about that. 
But at the same time, we shouldn't be obnoxious about that either. You know, you need to be more tolerant. You need to be more accepting. Yeah, I mean, are we doing people any favors by being more tolerant, by being more accepting? There's going to be a day of retribution. There is going to be a day of judgment. Men and women are going to have to stand before God and give an account. If we don't tell them the truth, who's going to tell them? Think about that. And so the church has been silenced, quieted, you know, by this new movement that is going on, even within Christian circles today. Oh, we need to be more accepting and, and tolerant. Hey, listen, we have the cure. We have the remedy for what ails our society today. The question of sin, the sin issue. It's Jesus, right? We need to get Jesus. Please don't shrink from that responsibility. So if these things were true, shouldn't our preaching and witnessing be as filled with crying out against sin as was the preaching of Enoch warning the people to flee from the wrath to come? And folks, I believe that we're closer to that wrath being poured out upon our world than ever before. Wouldn't you agree? I don't think that's a stretch of the imagination. But please, use a lot of tact, a lot of wisdom. Don't be obnoxious about that. Don't take the word of God, the sharp two-edged sword, and, you know, just dice people into pieces, you know, kind of a thing. Beat them over, use it as a club to beat them over the head with it, right? Remember, you're addressing a person who doesn't understand. The natural man cannot discern the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them. So use it as a skilled scalpel, if you will, in the hand of a skilled physician. That's how we need to use the Word of God, the Gospel. And let's give it to him in love. But nevertheless, don't shrink from that responsibility. You know? You need to speak the truth, but speak it in love. Now, that brings us to our third point. There's something else about Enoch that I want to draw your attention to, and that is the title of our message, and that is Enoch walked with God. Notice there in verse 22. It says he walked with God. Now, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, there's a couple of things that I want to draw your attention to in providing a description for you. First of all, it means to walk by faith in God. Okay, walk by faith in God. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, basically, not trusting in our own understanding. We're believing and acting upon what God has revealed to us in his word. That's a basic definition of what it means to walk by faith in God. Shall I say it again? Let me say it again. We're not trusting in our own understanding, because all of us have some kind of an understanding of how we're supposed to live our lives, right? That was ingrained within us growing up by members of our family, the schools that we attended. It may have or may not have been correct, right? We may have come to the wrong understanding, okay? So it means to walk by faith in God, not trusting in our own understanding. We're open, right, to a new instruction, new leading, new direction, as is recorded for us in the Word. And then we believe and act upon what God has revealed to us in His Word. Like, for example, you're in a service like this on a Sunday morning. And, you know, I happen to address an issue or a point or something that really 
makes a connection with you, really hits home. And you say, wow, you know what? I think I need to clean that area up. I never even realized it before. But I know that it's God speaking to me because it's his word. It's not Mike speaking to you, but it's the word of God. And it's very clear. Now I understand it. So I'm going to apply it in my life. That's what it means to walk by faith in God, believing in and acting upon what God has revealed in his word. It is because of Enoch's faith, think about it, in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, in verses 5 and 6, that he's commended to us. This is the thing that lends itself to his being commended to us. Let's read it again. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. It was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. I didn't even need to read verse 14 in there, but I just threw that in anyway. So it is because of his faith in Hebrews chapter 11 that he is commended to us. Okay, so the next thing I want to draw your attention to, remember, we're trying to answer the question, what does it mean to walk with God? What does it look like? Secondly, if you're taking notes, write these down, by the way. You want to know what it means to walk with God? Well, secondly, you need to not only walk in faith, but you also need to walk in holiness. Why is that? God is a holy God. And if we are to fellowship with him, we must be holy as well. You can't be one with God and live an ungodly life, an unholy life, right? With an unholy person. In 1 John chapter 1, we're given the instruction, verses 5 through 7. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So, it also means that we must walk in holiness. Okay, so what what have we already said? We walk in faith. Secondly, we walk in holiness. Thirdly, it means we are in agreement as to the direction that we should go. God has a plan for all of our lives, and that plan is outlined for us in the Word, in the Bible. And that's why we place such an emphasis on studying the word. And, you know, plans vary from one person to another to some degree, right? I mean, your profession may be different from another person's. I'm called to be a pastor. You're you're called to be a doctor or whatever. But basically, if you think about it, God's plan for each and every one of us, whether you're a doctor or a pastor, remains the same in certain respects. That is to know Christ to place our faith in him and our trust in him and our our hope in him, to see him and embrace him as our savior. I mean, that's all a part of God's plan for our lives. So walking with God also includes and means we are in agreement as to the direction that we should go, his plan for our lives. Let me give you a cross-reference for this. In the book of Amos, in chapter 3 and verse 3, it says he raises a question there. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so. And what's the answer to that question? Obviously not. So if Enoch walked with God, he was not fighting or resisting God. In fact, it was his joy. 
It was his delight to walk with God. And let me also include, folks, this was no casual walk. This wasn't some casual stroll. You know, every once in a while, I'm going to walk with God. Oh, where's God, you know, when we need him? I, I think I'll just, you know, stroll with God. Enoch's experience wasn't a casual one. Notice in verse 22, the Bible tells us that he walked with God for how many years? 300 years. Think about it. The best of us have been walking with the Lord for how many years, right? 20, 30, you know, years, tops, 40, myself, 40 years. 300 years, Enoch walked with God. This was not some kind of a casual stroll. This was the walk of a lifetime. That's what it means when we say we're walking with God. It doesn't mean like we're walking with God some days and then other days we're not walking with God. Or, you know, we're kind of meandering back and forth, back and forth. You know, I'll go forward, then I'm going back, going sideways and going in this direction. You know? That's not what this is referring For Enoch, it was a walk of a lifetime. And it was not a sprint. It was not a short run kind of a sprint, a short distance kind of a run. He was in it for the long haul, folks. It was not a flash in the pan kind of a thing. He was a man of substance. God, help us to be men and women of substance. God, give us steady, faithful men and women who know him and are coming to know him better day by day by day. No matter where you are in your Christian experience, whether you're a new Christian or the senior pastor of the church. Let us go on to maturity. Let us go on to perfection. God, help us never to be satisfied where we are in our Christian experience. Now, at this point, the texts in both the book of Genesis and the book of Jude come together. Let me ask you a question. Why do you suppose Enoch, so conscious of the ungodliness of his generation, and so strong in his preaching against it. Shall I ask you that question again? I want you to think about it. Put on your thinking caps for a second here. It's at this point, the texts in both the books of Genesis and Jude come together. Why do you suppose Enoch was so conscious of the ungodliness of his generation and so strong in his preaching against it? What's the answer to that question? Simply, Anybody? He walked with God. He walked with God. Listen, if you're walking with God, you'll abhor sin. Why? Because you'll understand the true nature of sin. And therefore, you will grow in holiness. But if you're not walking with God, sin doesn't seem too bad to you, does it? And inevitably, you will accommodate yourself to it. You'll make excuses for it. You'll call it something else, something other than what it really is, and that is sin. Like, for example, you'll say, I made a mistake, a boo-boo, right? Or you'll refer to it in this way. Well, you got to understand, I did what I did because I was just simply protecting my own interests. Or I did what I did because, you know, that's the way I was. It's just an instinctive kind of a thing, and that's why I chose to sin. That's why I chose to disobey God. Listen, gang, we'll never grow in holiness unless we see sin for what it is and call it sin. And we will never learn to do that unless we walk 
closely together with God. Now, the last thing concerning Enoch that I'd like to draw to your attention, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5. Take this down. This is the last thing that I want to focus in on, and that is Enoch pleased God. And as I've already mentioned, what, you know, what a beautiful way to describe someone. This is the way you know, that he's recommended to us in the Bible. How cool is that? And this is in his own estimation of himself. It's sort of like David, a man after God's own heart. What a beautiful way to be described. David, a man after God's own heart. Rick, a man who pleased God. Mike, a man who walked with God, right? What a beautiful ways to be described. And you see, this is the obvious culmination of Enoch's life. This is the sum total of Enoch's life. You see, having walked with God, turning from sin, write that down because that's important, turning from sin, walking with God, turning from sin, the result of which is it's sort of like an equation. Thus, it equals he pleased God in whatever he did. Let me say that again. Having walked with God, turning from sin, he pleased God in whatever he did. Sort of like an equation, if you think about it, a formula. I can't think of a better testimony for any human life. What could be a better achievement than to have said that you or I pleased God? Well, the end of the story goes something like this. Let's go back to verse 24 of our text. Enoch and God, and I'm sort of paraphrasing here, and I guess I'm taking some license here, but I don't think it's that much of a stretch. One day, Enoch was out walking with God, and God simply said to Enoch, hey, listen, Enoch, let's not go back to your place tonight. Why don't you come home with me? And so he did, right? The Bible says he with God, and he was not. He was given a place in paradise. You see, Enoch, if you think about it, is God's testimony to the fact that those who walk with God in this life will never die. They'll only continue to walk with him in a better life hereafter. Man, that's what we can look forward to. Are you walking with God? I mean, are you walking with God? And only you can answer that question. You might be real good at, you know, hiding the fact that you're not walking with God, whatever, you know. But simply, are you walking with God? The second question, do you see sin for what it really is? And then thirdly, are you absolutely sure that you're pleasing God in everything that you do? Listen, it all begins with Jesus. Father's house, there's a place for me in my Father's house, where I long to be. When you look back at your life, what moments stand out to you? There are probably some pretty great ones, getting married, having kids, graduations, and celebrations. But I imagine there are also a few you'd rather not remember, the ones that come back to run through your head at night as you try to fall asleep. When we take a look at the stories of some of the Genesis characters, 
We see it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. These people you meet made their fair share of mistakes, but that didn't disqualify them from being used by God. God built a nation from human beings who were far from perfect. And guess what? He wants to use you too. God has a plan for your life, and you can faithfully follow Him in the way He has made for you. You can be forgiven of your sins and start fresh, remembering the faithfulness of God since the beginning of time. We're so glad we got to spend time with you today in the Word with Pastor Mike Venizio and in my Father's house. This program is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan. Check us out online at harvestnyc.org. There you'll find service times and our easy-to-find location. We have easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. If you aren't close enough to drop by, you can find links to our online streaming and more on our website, harvestnyc.org. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. Thank you for joining us today. We're out of time for now, but come back and feast on the Word with us next time in My Father's House. My heart not be troubled.